0: Hi, folks. is Voss here from show dot com. show dot com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Oh my gosh! If you're watching this, uh, you may be seeing the show after the New Year's, but we are on New Year's uh, Eve day. So, Happy New Year's, uh, depending upon when you see the show. I think some of you are going to see it live right now, and then some of you are going to see it later. But uh, some of you might see it 10 years from now. We Somebody posted one of our videos the other day from 2013. It's insane how long our our uh, content lasts. But to see all those videos, go to YouTube.com forward slash Chris Fox, hit the bell notification button. You want to do that. That should be your New Year's resolution to make sure that you subscribe to all the Chris Foster channels on YouTube and you can collect them all. It's a free for an unlimited time. You can collect them and you can go to, Goodreads.com, for chess. Chris Voss, see everything we're reading and reviewing over there. You can go to all of our groups, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those crazy places, even TikTok where the kids are playing. You can see all our broadcasts and different snippets of the show and all that good stuff that we take and do. Today we have an amazing author on the show, and this should be good because everyone's looking for some good inspiration for the New Year's you want to get that turn right and people are going to be talking about giving a look at their life upgrading and going to the gym i'm not looking forward to all the people in the gym in the next month but that's another story but good inspiration today so there you go today we have dr j calvin tibbs on the show he's the author of the new book run laps get strong do disciplineship differently. And you can order up his book wherever fine books are sold, including that Amazon place. That's always a good place to get books. uh, But always get them where the fine books are sold. Never go into those alleyways where they sell books. Those are always bad. Anyway, Dr. Calvin Tibbs joining us today is a pastor of Kingdom Dominion Church in Villa Rica, Georgia, the relationship coach to multiple clients and advises multiple boards. He's an author of four books. Mr. Tibbs is working on a fifth work designed to help Christian leaders and believers fulfill Jesus for. Big commands, Jesus for big commands. Uh, Tibbs is a husband of 37 years to college sweetheart Kimberly. He's a father of three grown children and grandfather of two girls. Tibbs also has earned a doctorate in ministry from South University. Welcome to the show, Dr. Tibbs. How are you?
1: I'm great, Chris. Thank you. Thank what? you. I'm glad to be here.
0: Wonderful to have you in a, a pre Happy New Year, considering that's in, uh, I don't know, 12 hours or something.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, happy new year to you too. Out sure. there, yes,
0: There you go. I mean, wish I could claw back. I wish there's a way to claw back the time. I'm like, I'm not done. I'm not done. You think I'd be done with this year, but it's right. actually being a great end of the year. So, welcome. To the show. Give us your plugs, your dot coms, where people can find out more about you. In order,
1: you can go to <laughs> calvintibbs.com and you'll find a lot of coaching information and things that we do if we can help you as a group or. Uh, individually, You can also go to LinkedIn. We're there at J. Calvin Tibbs. You can find us there as well as on Facebook. Uh, on YouTube, our church location is at KD Church Global. So those are some of the places you can find us.
0: There you go. There you go. Give us, you, you put up this new book and called Run Laps, Get Strong, Do Discipline Ship Differently. What motivated you on to write this book? Because you've written four and you're working on- That's a
1: strange, that's that reality is just hitting me when you said that. I was at a chiropractor's office and the lady there who is a tremendous help to get people back up to speed. I was one of them because I had a stroke in 2017 hmm. and she just helped nurse me back to shape uh, along with other things. And she said something about this book. And there's a program by Georgetown University where people can literally just bring your story. And whatever your story is, they help you write a book. I went into that program. And 12 months later, uh, the book is done. It was 12 months ago that she mentioned this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so as a result of it, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a book on uh, discipleship or on just what. But it literally came out that way. And I'm, I'm very thankful for the process.
0: So who is the book targeted towards? Who are the people you're targeting the book towards that should be?
1: Chris, anybody of faith should read the book because what we do is help spiritual content come to life. You've interviewed so many different people. I'm sure you've seen statistics on this, that, and the other. And one of those statistics is America is probably the richest content country in the world. Yet we have more prisons per capita than any other nation in the world. That doesn't make sense. If we're getting all this good content, why are so many people in prison? Basic answer, as far as I'm concerned, is people often struggle to bring the content that they read or see or hear, they struggle to bring it to life. And so Mm -hmm. LAP is that book to help people, especially if you're a person of faith or not. Everybody's really people of faith because we believe that the guy on the other side of that car, on the other side of that yellow line, is going to stay there. So we're in faith all the time that we literally can bring it to life. And so that's what mm. the book people do.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Now you talk about uh, discipleship. Tell us what that is and how that works. Or disciplineship. I'm sorry. Disciplineship.
1: No, well, you're right. You're right. Discipleship. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when Jesus left, he said, there are four things I want you to do. He says, go teach, make, and baptize. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's supposed to be done, I think, differently today than in previous years. And so when he said to do that, a disciplined person or a disciple is one who pays attention. And I think mm-hmm. our attention spans are so low these days that we can hear a sermon or hear a good, uh, some good insight and we bowl it over, throw it over our socks like a pair of Christmas socks that we don't want and we do nothing with it. And so we keep getting content and we keep moving it nowhere, but that was good. What we've got to do is bring it to life. And so mm. that's what being a disciplined believer or follower is really all about.
0: Mm. So are people just looking for distractions when they, you say they're, they're constantly taking in that content? That's a
1: great question. I, I honestly do. I think distract is, a, is an addiction. In fact, there's a book that I'm, I'm reading that or was reading called, there's a statement in there that says, distraction is an action mm. that moves us away from our goals. So distraction is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we are trained to be distracted because the images that we get in today's multimedia rich environment is designed to stimulate. We stroll, we stroll, we keep looking, we keep looking. And the process of getting used to that causes us to be dull to our purpose. Mm -hmm. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, a lot of people get off their purpose because I think social media started out as this really great sort of like new hey new worlds uh, overthrow governments that are bad and it's a new you know empowering and, and and kind of democratizing humanity and now it's turned into an ugly thing where you have people that are they're addicted to I forget what the name of it is but it's a high that people get when they get notification when they get attention when they get likes on social media validation And so you have this attention validation generation that people are just a lot of narcissism. I've been guilty of, especially during the, during the pandemic, when it first hit, I'd sit at night on TikTok and wake up or look up and four hours later on TikTok, I've been distracted and it keeps me off my purpose of what I need to do to succeed in life.
1: Yeah. That reality, I think is something that we all fall into the soup of and (laughs) discipline is necessary. To get us out of it because we were just receiving and there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point we got to give and Mm -hmm. if we haven't retained what we've heard, then we have nothing to give. And we want to get out of that loop so that we can add greater value to people's
0: lives. Yeah. And pursuing a purpose, that was one of the things that kind of got lost during the coronavirus and then got focused on what's my value in life? What's my purpose in life? And I really started honing back into what that was and realizing that, yeah, a lot of stuff was distracting me. We've been distracted a lot by, oh, there's the coronavirus and things are going to hell. And, and stuff. And those are valid. That's valid news. So living in a state of fear all the time and disempowerment, feeling disempowerment from the fear takes you off your purpose. And there are still ways to achieve your purpose and, and move through life, regardless of what's happening for the most part.
1: Yeah. I like that statement that sometimes people say purpose is like trying to find a needle in the haystack <laughs> and I reverse it. let say your purpose is the hit. Hay- it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And because it's everywhere, and yet, coronavirus has helped some people come to that purpose revelation, specifically when it comes down to 80% of people really don't even like their jobs. Why are they even over here? If I do something long enough that I don't like, it's going to dull what I'm really here for. And if that gets suppressed enough, then I'm just a a wandering generality, for lack of a better term, and it affects my identity. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a junkie for anything just to feel better about myself and again the book helps people become a, a lot more intentional in in that regard
0: when you with the title of your book it, <clears throat> excuse me it's called run lapse and get strong what does run lapse mean to you and get strong what sort of what, what are you trying to convey to
1: the-, the laps the laps, is literally an acronym and they have to read the book to get the acronym but what it essentially does is when a person takes a look at material or they listen or they see material or they, they hear material. What the book helps them do is do something with that material, it doesn't take long. It's just four quick steps, the L, the A, the P and the S. And what they're supposed to do is the, the idea of running laps is the process of, for example, when our show, your show is done and I take a look back at this, I'm gonna ask myself some questions about what just occurred, if I'm going to grow, otherwise I check the box and move on to the next growth. But if I take just a few minutes to literally go through four easy steps to find out what I picked up in what I just saw, now I'm be- I'm becoming what the scripture calls a doer of the word and not a hearer only, which cre- which creates deception. Mm. And a lot of us are deceived into thinking that the be- the more we consume, the better we are. That's not necessarily true. The more we can digest what we've consumed the better we are Ah. that's what running laps is all about to
0: get some people they go through life and they're just on autopilot they're just trying to and some of it's survival sometimes they're just in survival mode but they like you say they may be off their purpose and they're not focused on what their purpose is they're just trying to get by from one day to another and they're not really paying attention i've met People. One of the things I've always had in my life is an op- uh, operational awareness where I look at stuff. I've been a story collector, and and I learned from stories. And I really didn't know what I was doing until recently. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense, what I was up to. But the a lot of people don't learn from stuff. Like I used to have girlfriends, and I'd be like, what happened to you today? What what did you do? And they'd be like, I don't know. Oh, it's, what? I don't know. And I come home with five stories of crazy employee stories or, or something went on in the office. And there's some people that just sleepwalk through life. And like you say, I think the reflection of reflecting on what you've done, what you've learned, I think that's why people who do journals are much more successful that do journaling. You notice a lot of successful people do journaling. And part of that is what you were talking about with the reflection of going, what did I learn today? What did I see today? And am I on track for my purpose or not?
1: You hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Some years ago, there was, a, I think, a Princeton study where after 20 years, or again, this is decades ago, but after 20 years, Princeton decided to go back in the 70s and find out where people were. And they went through and they checked everybody from this major to that major, and then they took a graph of what they were making. 20% of the people were $600,000 plus in terms of their finances, than 80% of the rest of the Princeton graduates. They went to verify. Maybe they majored in medicine or biology. The common factor is what you said. They had written down goals. Mm -hmm. And those goals then became what they read. And what they read, rehearsed, again, a part of a lapse process, is what then moved them literally 20, 30 times economically, then their peers. So mm-hmm. if we do, as you say, sleepwalk through life, which it's a sedative to what we don't like. People don't like what they see. It's easy to stay asleep. But what we try to encourage folks to realize is you are probably a solution to someone that mm-hmm. you are not yet being. And so that creates a boredom. And it also creates a frustration. And it also creates a wandering. And so now from a wandering generality, I'll pick up your goal and her goal and his goal and their goal and everybody else's vision becomes mine frustration, wash, rinse.
0: You talk about how the insight from it, where people just reflect on stuff and they, that's where you really learn is when you sit down, like you said, you sit down and go, what did I learn from this? Is this taking me on, on my goal set? When people think of goals or where you're going, that's like a ship. It moves it back and forth. It, it doesn't go in a straight line to its port. It, it, it zigs and zags a little bit and you're constantly having to do course correction and trying to find the thing. And so I think that's the uh, probably what you're talking about when you talk about reflecting on these different things.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you used a term on Smile because we use a term called course correction and narrative mm. protection. Course correction is the process where, just as like you indicated, along the way, even airplanes often take off going in the wrong direction, mm. but they have to adjust if they know their course. If in life we don't know our course, every wind that blows us further away and gets us more and more frustrated, perhaps more fatigued, But if we know the course, then the narrative can be protected. Mm. I know we missed it. I know that didn't work. I know that's a setback. But Mm. the course can be corrected in order to protect the narrative. And so when we run laps in our process, we help people to really get laser focused. Not on everything, just Mm. on this thing. And if you look at this thing and look at it long enough and start walking in that before you know it, you're with with minimal effort and uh, it's a phenomenon
0: it's i went through this in coronavirus where it really reset my thinking in life i am 53 i turn 54 next month and i realized that with coronavirus the number one life is much more fragile than i thought it was we're i think we all were living a little immortal before coronavirus like yeah we can run and do whatever we want breathe on everything and lick walls and class, (laughs) but uh, cough on everything. But now we've realized that life is, uh, life can send you some wingdings and you've got to adopt, adapt, and it's fragile. One of the things, when I first came into coronavirus, I had two sisters in care centers. I had a 70-year-old mother and I was like, I have one goal. It really honed everything for me on a value scale where I was like, what is the most important thing in my life? And I'd been chasing around the world, making money and collecting things and stuff and keeping them on the back burner. But I realized when coronavirus hit, I'm like, okay, what's the most valuable thing I have in the world? And that's the family that I have left. And, okay, how do we try and make sure everybody gets through the the coronavirus and we survive this thing? And that's when I realized that all the stupid stuff I've been doing, everything, a lot of it didn't matter. And then I also sat down and realized I'm in a big football game and i'm 53 so i'm either in the probably the final third of the game final quarter of the game my dad lived to 76 but he's he had a lot of health problems he didn't have any i didn't have any of other health problems he does at my age right now so i'm hoping that my runway's uh longer but even then, you have to look at the game and go, what's the next virus that's going to come? It could be, we've had biologists, authors on the show that have said, we're really lucky this wasn't like an Ebola sort of, or, or E. coli Ebola thing, which it very well could been, where we just melt down from the inside. So there's still time. And so I sat down, I started going to the gym every day. I've been doing that now. It'll be five months, I think, on the second. I've been working out every day for the first time in my life. I've never gone to the gym, I don't think, for a month straight. And so I'm feeling better. I'm realizing that i got to, really take care of the quality of my life and I'm being more reflective and really honed down to where I'm like, I need to work on my purpose. It's time to quit screwing around. So that's kind of what I arrived to. And I think some of that may be along the same analogies of what you're talking about in the book.
1: It it, it definitely is, uh, Chris. The reality of purpose for people is the critical element. I was reading um, a very high-powered executive the other day whose last name was Rilla. Mm -hmm. I forgot the first name, but She basically said that authors, or better yet, CEOs and presidents, all they wanna talk about is purpose, because purpose is the engine that runs their companies. Now, in the past, there was this idea of shareholder um, value based upon whatever these tangible or intangible things were. Now, companies are realizing that the purpose value in that company is the soul of the people who work there. Mm-hmm. And now that adjustment is being made, Zuckerberg who in 2017 that when you look at the value that is happening in, in the world and what's coming to the planet with regards to what he projected, millions of jobs being lost due to technology, he said if there is a loss in meaning in the person, They won't know what to do now that their jobs are no longer available and that they as people are no longer required. So purpose becomes something everybody's got to find out because, to be honest, there's room for everybody's purpose. There's no you know, premium of purpose. Uh, There's a deficit of purpose as far as I'm concerned. We literally call it purpose deficit disorder. But when it comes down to a limited amount of purpose, that's only in the mind because every person's value. Is flat out needed. I tell people, you owe me what's inside of you. So purpose is at the top of the list.
0: There, there you go. What else do you want to touch on in, your, in what you do and how you do it?
1: Well, I want to touch you on the reality of kind of what I just mentioned. The, the purpose, there's a verse in Romans eight twenty eight that says, We're, we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord, for those who are called and according to his purpose. That word purpose is bread which doesn't make sense to a lot of people. What do do you mean we're called in accordance with bread? Bread is a collaborative act. Bread is collaboration because bread does not grow in the wild. What you have to do to get bread is you have to go and get wheat. Mm -hmm. But wheat doesn't become bread without collaboration. And this is why we need each other. Mm -hmm. The reality of you needing a guest, me needing a platform, you needing an expression, Others need it. We all need each other. And there's value all up and down the scale in what we call a value network. And when people can put their purpose together with another person's purpose, they'll never run out of joy. They'll never run out of things to contribute. They'll never, as they say, look for purpose like a lost set of keys. They'll find the place that their purpose connects to. And so whether that be in the marketplace where that's done, or in religious or in church environments where that's done, the purpose is everywhere. There's purpose capital all over the planet. And if we can encourage people to find out why you're here, why are you here, is the reason that we need to be about the business of being here, not just surviving here, but being here. And the last piece on that, on this particular point is I was thinking about how, if everybody on the planet, everybody made $10 an hour, everybody, Now I know there'll be a few angry people, especially in America, but if everybody made $10 an hour, the question would be for that person who's listening, what would you do? Because you and Bill Gates, you and the president, you and the senators, you mm-hmm. all make the same. So the power level is the same. What are you doing? What would you be doing? And whatever the person says they would do for that $10 an hour, because by the way, they're making 10 NFL guys make 10 NBA LeBron love you $10 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> because the answer to what you would do is where your value is. Mm. Mm. If you can add value. If you really thought about all of the things you could do and you're now like, you know what, this is what I'm going to do because no one's above anybody else here in terms of the economic scale, That's probably where the person's purpose is located. They may not necessarily want to go back to law school to become a lawyer or go to med school to become a doctor, but maybe they're in the field of medicine helping with pharmaceuticals, or maybe they're in the field of uh, law and they're just helping that young person navigate what they just got into trouble with. Mm -hmm. So if we can find that, we'll find that's probably where, where our purpose begins. And the journey at that point can start.
0: There you go. That's beautiful what you just said. Yeah, it, it people need to realize that a purpose-driven life is a much more fulfilling life. Having a purpose, feeling like you're there. I suppose a lot of people do turn to religion because they're looking for some sort of purpose in life. And they're trying to find, why am I here? What, what is the point? What's mm-hmm. going on? And maybe what happens after this? And so a lot of people struggle with that. But yeah, finding a purpose. And I think some people accept a lot of like social purpose. But it's not theirs. Like, uh, what do you do? What do you want to do with your life? Go to college. Okay, what do you do to college? What do I do now? Get married, have kids. Okay, so I did that. Now a lot of people are just following like the social program, if you will. And it's no, what is your true purpose in life and and what what motivates you, what fires you up? Because they're all different. There's different things. Like I have friends that are brilliant artists. They can work with paint or whatever and they can design stuff. I'm clueless as to how to do that, but they have their purpose and that's their love. And I found my loves in life and I'm always constantly adventuring and looking for more. Maybe there's some other door and I, we evolved too across our life. So that's another way of, sometimes your purposes change.
1: That's exactly right. It's mm-hmm. what you're describing. We you call the institutionalized purpose where. People are just institutionalized. Yeah, I'm going to get a, get a wife and I'm going to get a dog and I'm going to get a house. We're going to just keep getting. But the fact is an institutionalized purpose, purpose is a frustrated lifestyle. Mm. I, I work with couples a lot, both premarital and marital. I help in some regards rescue ladies from bad relationships with guys uh, so that they won't cry at night. Mm-hmm. And in some of those instances, of course, it doesn't mean it's the reverse. Some guys need to be rescued from some ladies, too. But nonetheless, when it's all said and done, when I recognize that there is no purpose, that they don't recognize their own purpose because they're institutionalized, it becomes a great starting point. Some get it instantly. Mm-hmm. And some I have to coerce into recognizing this one lady. well, She's in the northeast uh, big city. And uh, she had just thrown this guy out for the third time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was like, You got to help me with this and this, that, and the other. I'm like, First, I am not the guy to uh, help you uh, be dysfunctional. I am Mm -hmm. not the guy to help you further the pain you're already in. I'm coaching, if anything, I would be coaching you to stay gone. But you want me to coach you to help get him back. When you know your purpose, you eliminate error because Mm -hmm. you're no longer distracted by things that move you away from your goals. And so I think that there are people who are afraid of the bigness in them. I think Mm -hmm. there are people who are afraid to acknowledge that their bigness might move them beyond their current levels. I think that there are people who are also afraid to realize that if you dare step out you're going to be out there beyond where you've ever been before, and you can live. No, I don't want to live. I want institutionalized purpose. I want to stay right here. And so some of this is to convince people that they can be more because they are more.
0: And is that fear what holds a lot of people back?
1: I absolutely think it's fear. Zig Ziglar had a an acronym, false evidence appearing mm-hmm. real. I think that's exactly what it is, that people are afraid that what it looks like. And I'll add this little piece to it as well. Sometimes when people are not aware, uh, there's a thought out there called metacognition. Metacognition Mm -hmm. is the process of thinking about thinking. And thoughts are things. So thoughts are spiritual. How do you know they're spiritual? They cannot be measured in a lab. Mm -hmm. So thoughts are always in a realm, opportunity and possibility. When they become words, then they can become material. But Mm. in the meantime, the process of false evidence appearing real, if I keep enough conversation in my head that speaks to my fear, then I will set the parameters to give me exactly what I've been talking about. Mm. But I believe that the reason why people are in that state is because sometimes we judge the people who are in the positions that we either want Or that we could aspire to. And if we put a judgment against them, by default, we're telling ourselves that won't be you. You're not going to be that Mm. person. So when some people call wealthy people filthy rich, the average person is not trying to be filthy. But since Mm. they put their head around that thought process, the spiritual reality of what's being spoken is grading against actions that produce wealth. Mm. So you know, the oxymoron is what I say I want, I'm talking against, which means I'll never become that.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, it, fear holds people back. And so it's good that they can read your book. They can learn stuff about, uh, why this is important. I certainly hone my focus. Like I said, realizing that I was in the last third of the game or I'm definitely past the halfway point. Maybe some sort of advances in robotics or science will make it so I can live, uh, 108 or something, but I'm not really sure. I've seen people on the internet that are like over 100 and they, they, you, they have this look in their eyes, Kill me, please. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like seriously, but no. It, I then I saw. I actually I think I saw someone who's 105 or 100. Mm-hmm. They were 100 plus, and they just ran a 10k or something Wow. or a 1k, and and it was a, a fine young lady. Let's put it that way. So she, I'm like, wait, a hundred year old ran a race that I probably can't. Okay, you need to get your button gear. That gives you perspective. But yeah, finding purpose, and and this coronavirus really honed my purpose. I was like. Okay, in the later, I'm in the later stages of the game, and it's time to get serious. So there's yeah. not you run out of the road, like not screw around with your youth because I got plenty of time. And then you realize when you hit your older stages that <clears throat> you don't. Yeah. And uh, sometimes that youth could have been spent a whole lot more working on stuff.
1: Yeah, I've let, looked at some of those centurions also, and I looked at where they are in
0: mm-hmm. the
1: world, and most of them are not here. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's because. Or fortunately, it is because the American diet is not beneficial towards long-term health. And when you're in different countries and there was no one thing, for some areas it was fish, for other areas they drank wine. In other areas, it was they were farming. But in all of these locations, they had the one thing that Americans don't typically do. And that is not only a rich diet in what's good for the body, but they moved.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, know, back in the Old Testament and back even beyond or in our own years gone by, people walked. And that walking was not a treadmill, it was just from here to there. And that by itself was a sedative, it calmed. It was normal to be Andy Griffith-like sitting on the porch thinking mm. about stuff that you keep thinking about until Andy said, just do it, bar." Just because it. ultimately the body here is stimulation. Look at this. And so living life in the red, I think it's made it a, a hard thing for people. Maybe somebody will do that study on the uh, effects of certain things and the physiological activity and how it affects health you
0: just brought me back to my mayberry days i grew up watching that show and yeah <laughs> i can't you. even do it right yeah i just pulled this up 105 year old louisiana woman sets world record in 100 meters so Suck it, everybody else who needs to get to the gym tomorrow. (laughs) As we go out, anything more you want to touch on, sir?
1: I want to just really encourage everyone, if you can go check out our website, at at also our, our church website at Katie Church. We just want you to live the best life possible. It was a life that was designed for you. I'd like to go over to Psalms chapter 139, around verse 17. It says, before I was an embryo, You wrote in a book every word before I lived in. It's a very little known verse that even Christians don't often look at because it's like, what do you mean by that? And I mean by that, we all have a book. I know that there are books we can read, but there's a book about us. And sometimes we are off the page because we're writing our own script. But the fact of the matter is there are things about you that we need. And it may not hit the headlines, it may not be super exorbitant, but without you living the pages of your own life, then we're missing the part that you play. And so Mm -hmm. whether it's money that's holding you back or fear that's holding you back, or words which are typical, I just encourage you to release yourself from any hindrance that would stop you from being who you are at the moment that you're here, There is no coincidence that you are still alive and that the plans that are available for you still require a yes. Mm. You walk that out. You'll benefit mankind.
0: There you go. There you go. Give us your plugs one more time or people can find you on the interwebs, please.
1: You can uh, check us out at uh, calvintibs.com. That's where a lot of our coaching material is. You can also go to LinkedIn. That's where our marketplace ministry or marketplace presence is located and that's going to be at j calvin tibbs you can also go to facebook and for the church components on faith facebook it is kingdom.dominion.church and over on youtube it's kd church global uh, or at kd church global i think we're on twitter as well under a different book that we wrote called uh, jesus said mm-hmm. and i think uh, that should about do it. You can email us if you desire to do it. And that email address is calvin at com. And uh, in between all those spots right there, you should easily be able to reach us and we can reach back out to you.
0: Dr. Tibbs, thank you very, very much for being on the show. We certainly appreciate you. And, of course, a great and inspiring message for the new year.
1: Thank you, Chris. Great show. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And happy New Year to you.
0: You too. Happy New Year to my audience as well. Be sure to order the book up, guys. Go to uh, wherever fine books are sold. Run laps. Get strong. Do discipline. Ship discipleship. I'm sorry. I've got a camera right over the word there. Do discipleship differently. Order up the book. Uh, check it out and all that good stuff. Also go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, hit that bell notification button. Go to all of our groups on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Follow them today so that you ring in the new year with all sorts of inspiration. You can also find that on youtube.com, chess Chris Voss. Be good to each other, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next year. <laughs> Take care.